Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as he makes all things new. We are excited to pursue his heart for the greatest city on earth and the center of the city in this great neighborhood of Humble Park. So we're still talking about our our role as those who are beginning to form a reception for not just the Savior and the King. And this is not about um, how we're getting ready to leave the earth, so we got to, you know, make sure that we're ready to go to heaven. But I believe that the earth is our inheritance and that God has given us a role as believers. You know, you posture yourself differently um, based on your view of the end times a lot of times. Um, you, you decide that maybe that this, it, this, worth is, this world is worth redeeming, that there are no people that should be tossed away, that there is no life that is little, that God thinks so much of all of us that he sent his son, that he's always attempting to redeem us and to call us back to himself. So how do we begin to reflect that generosity in our heart that we are opening our arms to people who are outside of here at this point, um, that we are beginning to understand how gracefully he has called us into this purpose. But it's difficult because there always is an in-between space between your promises and between where you are. That space is never going away, and it's uh, where faith needs to happen. Now think about this. If you don't have faith, That dark space is just full of anxiety, it's full of uncertainty, it's full of fear that at least we have, you know, faith to begin to guide us through that darkness. But so many don't have that. And I think, um, you know, you see people in the city doing life so well without Jesus. And it seems from the outside that they have everything that they need and they're just like, Loving their life, they're brunching it up on Sunday mornings, you know. We're passing them all as we're coming in here. They're like standing in line for coffee. We're like, man, they got it all together. Where am I going? What am I doing? I'm going to sit in a slightly cold church to hear about Jesus? What, I got to keep my coat on? What's going on? It's, you know. <laughs> and it's, it's this understanding of how much... Jesus means. And Jesus is so humble and he's so, um, you know, a bruised uh, reed. He wouldn't break a smoldering wick. He wouldn't snuff out that it's sometimes it's hard to know the effects of the chasm between you and him until life situations happen. And then everybody is on their knees saying, oh, Jesus, if you just heal this person, then I'll turn back to you. Oh, Jesus, if you do this one thing, that in life we can't see that, the normally going, you know, going through life. But when those tragedies hit, everybody finds faith real fast, <laughs> real fast, fast, and attempt to bargain with Jesus. But there are so many things that we desire as gifts from him that he is. And today we're going to talk about Jesus as healing. He is healing. This is a gift of the Spirit that we get to walk in and is a way we get to love each other. But Jesus literally 
is healing. All of these gifts that we talk about exist in the person of Jesus. So as we begin to walk with him, receive his spirit, minister in his love to others, then this is a natural state of our existence. But how do we get there sometimes from the place that we are? And then we have this story in John 5 that you've probably heard before about the man who was crippled for 38 years sitting at the pool of Bethesda, which was on the way to the temple. So people would go to the temple and get a nice kind of um, view. And it was a, a part of the sheep gate. So there was a lot of commerce going on there. So if you remember Jesus coming in and flipping over the tables, it was like this whole mix of commerce and, and a hospital and a temple all kind of together in the same place. And you had this man laying here for 38 years, and there were people in various states of infirmity. Some had shriveled up hands, others were lame, people couldn't walk, but it was thought that as soon as the angel started to stir the water, the first person in would be healed. It's crazy that that was a competition. It was a competition to get in the water quickly so that you could be healed in your body, that it wasn't really about you receiving God's grace or being merited of no reason of your own, but it was all about your performance out in public. How you would be seen once that water started to be stirred. But this man had no one to help him in the water, so he just sat there and sat there and sat there for 38 years. He sat there longer than Jesus was on the earth. He was infirmed. Who knew how old he was? But he was infirmed for longer than Jesus was on the earth. That is a long time when you consider everything that Jesus did in his life. And it says in John 5 that now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I'm coming, another steps down before, him, before me. Jesus said to him, rise up, take up your bed and walk, and immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. Wow. Why would you ask somebody who was crippled, do they want to be made well? Because Jesus was trying to see if his state of being lame was a part of his identity. He was trying to see if he, you know, I'm, I'm liking getting these alms sitting here. You know, I'm liking uh, receiving the pity that I get from people. I like not really having to be expected to work. That God will not take from us what is a part of our identity what we've begun to believe about ourselves. You know that voice that when you're at home alone or in a space where nobody's around, that voice that constantly repeats the things that you are not, that reminds you of who you are not, that is trying to become a part of our identity, this is also an obstacle that is in the way of our healing. But Jesus is healing that he's standing there in this moment and asking him, what do you want? See how far free will goes? How far free will goes, even to the place where God has this desire that he wants for us. 
and it's good and it's pleasant and it will make us whole. But he's still not going to force it on us. I was challenged this week by the Lord. I sat some time, you know, and it was a meditative time. It was like, talk about the person who's leading the time. Talk to the Lord about what you're frustrated about. And then I started, yeah, he's, I started talking to him what I was frustrated about. And you know how it happens in a conversation when you just want to talk, then God starts talking back and he tells me what he's frustrated about about me. I'm like, whoa, that's not how this is supposed to go. <laughs> I'm just supposed to tell you. And he starts to tell me that, you know, you're talking about receiving, you're talking about abundance. Do you even believe that? Do you even think that this city can be made whole anymore? Do you even think that this church can be made whole anymore? That is, it only takes a little time for something that is not a part of us to be made known of us. The identity of this city has been trying to attach itself to the city for so long that the world knows more about Chicago than any other U.S. city, most likely. Oh, yeah, it's violent there. Oh, yeah, you know, it's segregated there. Yeah, you guys got those cops and shooting people. Yeah, this is an attempt at the identity. People have been trying to attach identity to black people for a long time. That is not our identity. You know, they're fatherless. You know what I'm saying? They're just savages. They're like, you know, going into these smash and grabs in neighborhoods. And a lot of the times it is a narrative that Christians are furthering along. Oh, you don't live there. I'll tell you the neighborhoods you want to live in in Chicago. Don't go live there. That this identity is always attempting to attach itself to God's goodness, but he says to us, and I feel like it's what he said to me, is what do you want me to do for you? What do you really want? Because this life is not always peaches and cream, as you will know, and so many things in our life need healing, they need resurrecting, they need to come back. Some of you have chronic things that are going on in your body. And it's just like you it's give, giving up hope. And nobody would blame you for giving up hope. And hopefully there's a word that just encourages you to hold on. Because forget about the waters being stirred by some external situation or circumstances. The actual water is going to visit you. He's like, I'm waiting for somebody to stir the water. Jesus is like, I am the living water. Here I am. Get up and walk. We are competing in a world. We are competing in a place that lives by different rules than the kingdom does. Bless you. And I heard somebody say once that we can't expect the blessings of one kingdom while we're pursuing the gifts of another. We can't expect the blessings of one kingdom while we're pursuing the gifts of another. That God really wants to 
get us up out of those porticos, those covered colonnades that all these sick people were just sitting in for their moment to compete, to beat somebody. I think competition is one of the worst things that ever happened to the body of Christ. Because we think about, we go to these pastor's conferences, I'm like, I don't want to go to a pastor's conference. So, how big is your church? You know, it's like, I got five people, that's it. Okay, what? No, this is one of five people. Like, everything is a competition. This is this Western world that's like making us worthy when Jesus already made us worthy. On this cross, he paid it all. He paid it all. And we're still like trying to go to the store and purchase our own salvation. They're like, your money is no good here. But, you know, I mean, I've worked a lot. Look at all these degrees I have. You know what I'm saying? I've done a lot of stuff. They're like, your money is no good here. You know, like, let me show you all that I've done, how big my house is, how many cars that I have. You know what I'm saying? How many vacations I've been on. Your money is no good here. We're trying to purchase our worth still. And the living water is standing with us saying, what can I do for you? Can I heal you? And I've seen God heal people physically so many times. And this is just something that he does. I'm not saying all those times are behind me, but it's not as frequent as it was at one moment. Why? Because I was really, I was more hungry for it. I remember praying for a lady on the street that I passed by, looked like she was limping. I prayed for her. I said, um, in Jesus' name, I pray that he would just heal your knee. And while I'm praying for her, I asked her afterwards how it felt. And you can't make this stuff up. She said it felt like it was a wind going through her knee and taking the pain out. I'm like, God is so creative. He's so creative, but you know what I mean? You got Jesus in the Bible making mud, you know, just to piss people off, you know, because it was a Sabbath and you're not, you can't even make mud. You couldn't even spit to make mud. Like, how religious and like dogmatic is that? That you would say that's work and you can't work on a Sabbath. That Jesus would pray for people multiple times that he would take a Lunchable and make pizza rolls, you know what I'm saying? For everyone, I'm trying to put it in our context so we understand a little better. (laughs) That this miraculous way that he lived through life, that he was always looking for those who needed healing. But do you believe, do you believe healing is the will of God? Do you believe salvation for everyone is the will of God? Yes, it is for, he he desires that everybody would be close to him. We're living in a time where I don't think I've seen such Christian timidity before. Because of our role, I think, in a political structure, we are timid about our faith because we're like, you know, they may be Buddhists. I don't want to offend them. They could be, like, believe something else. Maybe they're, they left church. They're, I don't know what's it. And I think that when we see people who come to the Lord and we start to remember our story of being lost and found and how we felt at that moment, we start to be compelled beyond our fear. 
and we start to be compelled beyond our competitive nature. That every gift that God gives is something that we can accept or reject. And I imagine this is just a picture of what it would look like for the city to be healed. That um, there's a verse in Malachi 4.2 But to you who fear my name the son of righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. The son of righteousness thus being Jesus who loves us so much that he's still hovering over the city. This is why I felt that, man, that greater things are yet to come, greater things are still to be done in the city. Me and my wife have been in ministry in Chicago a long time. Now, there are people who've been in Chicago ministering longer, but I think we've been through, we've moved our family four or five different places in the city. We planted a church on the south side. We, like, have been a part of ministries on the north side. Like, we've just been all over the place. But there's this, like, this still, this fire. Like, still this spark of God wants to heal this city. Who believes that? Yeah, come on. God still wants to heal this city. No matter how long uh, Chicago's been laying by that pool, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we're like, we're believing that another alderman gets indicted. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Cop shoot somebody else. Oh, man. Greater things are yet to come. And although we rest, yes, there is still work to do. In James 2, 14 through 17, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also Faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's very difficult for folks to believe, yes, every, the church is on every corner in Chicago. Where is our work? Where is the manifestation of God's goodness around us? That happens in pockets, you know what I'm saying? It's going on. It's, it's things going on that we don't know about. Holy the healing that has not happened yet between the races. How long? And if I was in a black church, you would have said not long. <laughs> so we'll try that again. How long? Okay, see? Call and response. <laughs> How long will we still be going through the same things, talking about the same Distance, the same prejudice, the same. And I believe that this is the work that we get to partner with Jesus to do.
this wonderful healing work, not just of physical bodies, not just of the church body, but also our city and a nation as a whole. Healing shall happen. If you are something that you're struggling with or something, someone close to you, some chronic thing that they're going through, never, ever, ever, ever give up praying for them to be healed. At the end of 1 Corinthians 13, it says that we should eagerly desire the gifts. I think we all think we know what eagerly desire means, but I don't think we really know what it means for us, that it means something different for every individual. That I thought my eagerly desiring the gifts that came from the Spirit of God that Jesus possessed as I walked with him, I thought there was a a place that I had to go to get those. But where I actually did start to receive and see the manifestation of his goodness around me, it was beyond that. That many times we do find the Lord at the end of ourselves. And how far are we willing to go? How long are we willing to rest if we have a problem with working? How long, how long do we sit before we get super uncomfortable and it's like, I need to start doing something? This is your admonition to push those boundaries of distance and the reminder that as we're receiving God, these are keys that are important for us. Hunger, humility, and honor. That we hunger and thirst after the Savior of our souls. That not only have we received them in our hearts, but we can receive them in our daily lives in his presence. Humility that God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That we humbly follow Jesus with all that we have because that's the only way forward in a world that is so full of pride and honor. We love and honor those from the poorest to the wealthiest, to everyone in between, that we show love and honor because this is what Jesus did. That instead of being so focused on going to the conference that he would pass by all of them, all of the sick laying at the pool of Bethesda, he stopped and said, what can I do for you? That sometimes all God is asking us is to be present. You know when I like fall or like have an accident or spill something or whatever? It's when I'm like thinking about something that I'm, the moment that I'm not in. Anybody that ever happened to? Where you're like, you're like thinking about two hours ahead and you're not really considering what you're holding. I think that's the way it is in life with pursuing Jesus that We're not present because we're always living in the future and always anxious about it anyway. But in his presence is the fullness. A healing is a 
natural posture for us as believers. And we're admonished in Scripture to pray for healing by laying on of hands. Anybody shudder when I say that? Somebody putting their hand on you? (laughs) With COVID, it's made our distance larger. Or something like that, you're like, oh man, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. But Jesus even knew as he was the living water and the lepers that he prayed for, that it was a different covenant, it was a different kingdom. Before, you know, you had to put the lepers in a colony outside of the city because if you touched a leper, then you were unclean. But now Jesus came And when he touched the leper, they became clean. That we have this healing that we walk around with in situations that just require us to be willing, to be present, and to be there. And to love people. All these gifts that we have are arrayed for each other. You know, so much stuff about healing. I just want to read every scripture in the Bible about healing. Just so we could. Um, And we're also, I'm going to keep going a little bit, but we're going to take communion. So if someone could pass out the uh, cups up here. Thanks, Caitlin. Um, And it's Isaiah 53 and 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Woo-wee! That just never loses its ugh. By his stripes we are healed. Now you can get into the descriptive phases of all the different ways that blood was removed from Jesus in an unnatural and violent way as it spilled even on the Via della Rosa, he's on the way to the cross, on the way to Golgotha, and it would probably pale in comparison to what he actually looked like or what the scene actually was. That he was beat beyond even looking human even more to purchase our healing, and our salvation. Just a reminder that we did that, you know? But Jesus continued to pour out for us. And then you have moments in Scripture. Of the, all, you know, I was talking about all the creative ways that Jesus has seen people who are healed. From mud to praying for the blind, whatever it may be. And then you have in Mark 5, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in a crowd and touched his garment, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. If you get a second, read Mark 5. It is better than any Netflix movie, I promise you. 
He like goes from the man of the Gadarenes to the woman to Jairus' daughter. It is just this beautiful picture of Jesus as a man of action. But it says in this portion that she most likely touched the hem of his prayer shawl which had these tassels on it, and the tassels were called zitzit, but a name for zitzit is wings. She was probably aware of the scripture that the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. When she touched his garment and the flow of her blood was stopped and she was completely healed, confirming that Jesus is healing in himself. That as long as we walk with him, whatever we need, our broken hearts, our broken hands, the the bodies, the aches and pains, all these things, even in a broken city that is never as far away as our Savior could be from us. But he is Emmanuel, God with us. This is a little picture of sunshine I took just for our, uh, it was in Florida. You know, when it was probably a little bit better weather than it is now. <laughs> Me and my wife went and saw this uh, sunrise. I think we were in Jacksonville, near Jacksonville. Beautiful sunrise. But I just think of all the promise of a great day, of a great moment when you see this arising. Can we see Jesus arising over this city? Can we see Jesus arising even over us?